Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. Don't. Look, there has to be another way. There isn't. They're a danger to our universe. You're not gonna take this away from me. Peter. You're struggling. Everything you want while the world tries to make you choose. This is all my fault. I can't save everyone. Welcome to the Strange Hoppers Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Dure. And Derek Wong. So tonight we're discussing the highly anticipated third Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, directed by John Watts and starring obviously Tom Holland, Zendaya, Benedict Cumberbatch, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe, and uh, some other horribly kept secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't think it was any secret who was going to be in this movie, but we'll get to that. Um, We'll Probably do a little spoiler-free stuff first before getting into uh, who's actually in this movie, who's not in this movie, talk about the ending. But I don't know, man. I'm a little bitter tonight. I don't know if it's a a good time to be talking about MCU movies. Oh, no. The Oscars shortlist just came out. Titan was snubbed. Justice for Titan. (laughs) The Green Knight and the Suicide Squad were snubbed for VFX. When four Marvel movies, all four of them are on the shortlist for VFX, when both the Suicide Squad and the Green Knight did not make the cut. So yeah, Black Widow, Eternal, Shang-Chi, and No Way Home. Yeah. Black Widow? That's insane. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Black Widow, really? I think people really liked Eternals, but I thought that movie was kind of ugly too. And we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it all. Um, I thought Shang-Chi was kind of ugly. And, like, to be honest, my big problem with this movie is that it's fucking ugly, too. It's so ugly. 
That's my problem with this movie. But I like this movie. I liked Spider-Man No Way Home. I think it strikes at the heart of what makes Spider-Man so special. I mean, we'll get into it. I saw it in a packed theater. I feel like I definitely fucking caught COVID. I caught Omicron from my screening. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, the movie should be called Spider-Man No Way to Avoid COVID. Just people screaming like barbarians at my screening. Didn't have masks on. It was just wild. I guess that's part of the communal experience. I mean, I I like it. I'm not like jumping up in my seats kind of excited, but I do like the communal experience where where people get excited over these movies and fawn over the fan service. Mm -hmm. But what about you guys? You guys saw it in, uh, I mean, obviously you guys saw it in theaters. It's not on streaming or anything, but yeah. Derek, you saw it at the Man's Chinese Theater, right? Well, the TCL, I guess, Chinese Theater. Now it's called. It's no longer called Man's. Oh, but yes, okay. It's forever known as Man's Chinese Theater. Just like it's never going to be called Crypto Arena or Crypto.com Arena. It's always going to be Staples. Oh, my <laughs> God. Don't even get started on that. <laughs> Uh, but yes, I did see it at the Chinese theater. It was an awesome experience. I mean, the, it's like one of the best theaters in LA, in my opinion. So uh, I think it was great to be there, like to be with clearly was a, a bunch of people that were excited to watch the movie. So yeah, I'm never gonna uh, shy away from a great movie theater experience. But like you, I was very nervous. Because uh, <laughs> I believe every seat was basically filled up in that theater. And Oh, I was going to ask, like, the quality of the movie or because of COVID? <laughs> because of COVID. Because of COVID. Because of COVID. Uh, but, yeah, I love this movie. I had so much fun with it. I actually went to go see it again <laughs> the next day. Oh, wow. Because I enjoyed okay. it so much. And we'll get into the details, but I definitely think that this reminded me a lot of my... And, and probably still is my favorite Spider-Man movie, which is Spider-Man 2. You know, Sam mm-hmm. Raimi's Spider-Man 2 and... It's attempt to really deal with the struggles of what it means to be a hero, right? And like the price you have to pay for that. And I agree. And I think this one handles that same theme very well. And more than the first two Tom Holland Spider-Mans, I think. Exactly, um, yeah. Which didn't like not deal with those issues. But I think this really was closer to like Spider-Man 2 and maybe like into the Spider-Verse yeah. or, or something like that. Or, or yeah. even the comics. I think. I think this is a very comics-accurate representation of Peter Parker and, and the prices he has to pay to, to yeah. be Spider-Man. I, I joke that this movie finally lets the MCU realize that Spider-Man's all about realizing that being Spider-Man sucks complete ass. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's more inherent than maybe even most superheroes we see that... Yeah, I guess maybe except for maybe like Batman, um, that there is like a pain that comes with being a superhero and then like a struggle of becoming a superhero and like... Mm-hmm. I think that this movie deals with that really well. What about you, Amir? What did you think? I'm going to say I don't think I liked it as much as you, Derek. I'm not sure if mm-hmm. Jeff, you and I are on the same page. If I'm a little more critical of it than you were. Um, <laughs> You'll never guess what grade I gave it. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I think we can guess. I think we can guess. I think I enjoyed all the fan service. Um, there were a couple elements that didn't really work for me. I think... Ugh, I don't know. I don't want to get too spoilery. I, I think it stretched itself a little too thin. It was a bit of a mess. It almost felt like it wasn't by the same director. Like, it almost felt like it wasn't John Watts a little bit. I don't know why, but I was just like, eh. I don't know. It felt a little off for me compared to the other two. I don't know if that's It felt the a little by committee, I think. Yeah, I don't know if that's the directing or just, like, the writing that was bothering me. I don't really know what was bugging me about it but i'd say i liked the first third or so the middle portion was a mess 
And I think the end it delivered on a bunch of really nice things and it was fun. So overall, like this was definitely the worst of the Tom Holland Spider-Mans hmm. for me, but still not like a bad Marvel. It's probably like middle, middle of the pack. Yeah, I would agree. Whereas like, I feel like the other two Tom Holland Spider-Man are like towards the top. Sorry, Derek. I think I agree with Amir here. It's okay. It's okay. I, totally I mean, understand. like, I do get, like, the fan service and stuff. I think this is, like, a monumental kind of accomplishment with what it does. It's just it's just so ugly, man. <laughs> it's like an Infinity War on Endgame in, in terms of the, like, checking continuity boxes, fan service boxes type of thing. Funny that you mentioned Infinity War and Endgame, because this is now the third highest grossing opener of all time behind Infinity War and Holy Endgame. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. During COVID, too. So During COVID, but basically every screening is this movie. So there's that caveat. Basically. I mean, that, that speaks to how well the first two did, how much people liked them, and um, I guess the strength of the Marvel juggernaut. Sorry, spoilers. You really don't think it's the fact that most people knew that there's two other Spider-Man in this movie. Uh, <laughs> and like, I mean, yes, the other two movies are great. Of course, people love Tom Holland and like they love him in the Avengers movies, love him in his own movies. But like, I don't think if you took the equation of like Spider-Verse out of this, right? I don't know if this movie would have made as much money. I agree. I Yeah, I think the hype is part of it. Yeah, the hype's definitely part of it. But like, I don't know, the hype also kind of ruined the experience because... I don't know. The plot's very paint by numbers once you know that this is what they're going to be doing, right? Well, I don't know if the plot is paint by numbers because it did a lot of things that surprised me. Yeah. In order to actually talk about that, we have to. Yeah, talk we should probably about get into it, right? spoilers. So, right? yeah, you know let's, just, let's get into this. Well, I mean, you already spoiled the biggest thing, so there's no need for a spoiler <laughs> warning. We already. <laughs> no, there's a couple other things. There's a couple other things. No, that's not true. There's a couple other things. All right. If you don't want to know that Snape kills Dumbledore, turn the podcast <laughs> off, go watch the fucking movie, and uh, come back when you're ready to um, be an adult. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. So, do you want to talk about those plot points, Chef? Well, I mean, we should give a little synopsis of the movie. I mean, this yes. movie basically takes place exactly where Far From Home left off, right? Mm -hmm. J. Jonah Jameson, also played by J.K. Simmons, has outed... Peter Parker as Spider-Man on his Daily Bugle broadcast, framing him for Mysterio's attack in London, and he plays the tape of Mysterio revealing Peter Parker's identity, Spider-Man's secret identity um, as Peter Parker. I mean, my issue is that if you've watched the trailers or like any of the marketing at all, you've already seen the first entire hour of the movie, and that's where my pacing issue comes in. It takes like 45 Ooh. minutes to an hour to get to... Benedict Cumberbatch, like, casting a spell to erase Peter Parker's identity from, from the world, right? Yeah. Which is basically, like, pulled from the comic. It's kind of like One More Day, if One yeah, More yeah, Day but, was a but better comic. Yeah, exactly. It's not terrible, right? The thing is, I actually liked that part of the movie. Me too. I think when, you know, Amir mentions that he likes the first third, I think he's thinking about, like, all the stuff about them wanting to get into college and... Um, having to deal with the fallback of, you know, him being revealed as Spider-Man. Like, I think that was the most John Watts of this movie. Like, I think John Watts really wanted to deal with, like, Spider-Man in yeah, high school. Yeah, for sure. Like, it was fun. I love a, a little Hannibal Burris cameo. Um, it's fun. Like, I don't know. I think that first bit of the movie worked for me. I think it stopped working once the quote-unquote actual plot kicked in. 
Yeah, as much as I do really like this movie, like I, you know, I think it's clear that maybe I'm the one who likes this the most. I do think that the first half of this movie, before the other Spider-Men really come in, it, it felt like a different movie. Like the energy just ramped up to like 12 once you introduce like Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Uh, I thought it was much funnier in the second half. I thought the action was better in the second half. And I thought, like, all the emotional stuff worked a lot better in the second half. Yeah, because the villains are all super flat. Like, that's why it doesn't work. It's like you're bringing these people in from another universe, and it's it's like that Twitter joke, like, Spider-Man, I hate you because you forgot my birthday in another universe, right? Like, it, it's, <laughs> there's just zero connection to these people. Like, the audience has a connection if you're a fan of the Marvel stuff. And so, like, they're relying on your knowledge of these characters' history to make this work, which is kind of... I guess it's what comics do. I guess just like Infinity War and uh, like Endgame, it's like trying to emulate comics in that way. So I guess hats off to them. But the villains feel super flat. Like if this is supposed to be your big event comic, like the villains are supposed to shine and, and seem really cool and hit hard. And, and they mostly don't. Like here's the thing about the villains in this movie. Everyone's here for Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe. Yes. And we know it, and the movie knows it, right? Yeah. And I think that's the problem. I think the movie kind of doesn't know it. I think the movie gives a little bit too much to Jamie Foxx to do, and he, oh, this movie does not redeem that character for me. Like, I was talking to some friends afterwards, I'm like, it doesn't like, make me like the Max, you know, Electro character anymore. I agree. It, it doesn't, like, make it worth bringing him into this movie and having him take up yeah. all that time. But... It's also Jamie Foxx. Like, you could have mm-hmm. given him something to do. It's not like he's a bad actor or, like, couldn't... Like, I don't know. Maybe the role is just poisoned to begin with, but... Also, they let him say whatever he wants. Like, all his lines were, like, ad lib. Do you really think, like, the screenwriters of this movie were like, welcome to the new new or whatever? You think he actually <laughs> yeah. fucking wrote that shit into the script? There's no fucking way. I agree, like, he was too much in the movie because it didn't pay off and he's not, like, a substantive villain. But they also didn't give him enough to do because he was such a nothing. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah, he's a nothing. The lizard's a nothing. Sandman's a nothing. I would have been okay if they just pulled in Green Goblin and uh, Doc Ock, you know? Mm-hmm. They're trying to do a Sinister Six thing, though. A Sinister Five thing, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even a Sinister Six. <laughs> it is a Sinister Five. I mean, people are going to be like, well, what's Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man going to do then? Because like, if you don't bring in any of his villains, but that's okay. Yeah. You, okay. you don't so need his up. villains. His villains suck, right? I don't know, even bring back Michael Keaton's Vulture. That might have been good, like, those three He's together. a good villain. He's a good villain, yeah. And, like, why even get Reese Ivan's Lizard or uh, Thomas Hayden Church Sandman, right? They weren't even in the movie. They only recorded voiceover. Yeah, they were in the movie for, like, two minutes. Yeah. No, they're not. All of the footage of them as humans were repurposed from the movies that they were from. They were CGI. Oh, shit, in. really? Yeah, they never showed up on set. They only recorded voice lines. That's why Sandman's in his sand form the entire movie, because, like, uh... Thomas Hayden Church wasn't available to, like, actually be on set. I was so confused by that, because I was like, at the end of Spider-Man 3, he's not stuck in sand form, so I was, like, very confused by that. They're so, like, extraneous, I think. Mm-hmm. And they suck a lot of energy out of this movie. I think that's a big problem. Yeah. A lot of it just seems rushed, too. I mean, since we're talking spoilers, we'll talk about the other big cameo. Like, Charlie Cox as Daredevil, which we thought he was going to show up, but 
he's CGI too. Did you notice that? He's CGI. I saw this in IMAX. He is not actually there, there on set. He's probably, uh. I don't know, constituted from something else or like they composited him in or, or something. But he looks weird in that scene, man. His face is all like smooth and janky. I don't know. But like you had three years to make this movie. Why couldn't you get Charlie Cox for like a day on set? I don't know. A lot of the stuff just feels rushed to me. Mm-hmm. But but in the end, all the emotional beats work for me. I guess to piggyback off of that, let's talk about probably one of the bigger things that happened in this movie, right? Uh, and, and one thing I do, uh, maybe you guys don't share this opinion, but like something I do commend this movie for was basically giving us Spider-Man's origin in his third movie in the MCU. I yeah, do agree. That was interesting. What I liked about it most, I think, is that what the MCU did was understood where the audience was, right? We have a relationship with previous Spider-Man movies, and we all know the story of Uncle Ben and, of course, the line, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And what they did was use that knowledge and was able to change it to have the same effect, but apply it to, you know, the characters and this Spider-Man, right? Without feeling, I think, cheap, you know, because it's very different. It's not Uncle Ben, right? It's it's Aunt May that dies, and it's Aunt May that says that line to him. Has that happened before? They must have done it in some random comic, right? I believe, and I read this years ago, there is a what if where Aunt May was the one who died instead of Uncle Ben. And, I mean, they've killed Aunt May plenty of times in the comics, too. I didn't realize there was no Uncle Ben in this universe. I thought they just skipped all that shit because we knew his origin, and they were, like, cutting straight to the chase with him, which I thought was cool. So I think yeah, it's I was trying to think about that too. Like, I I can't remember if they've ever mentioned an Uncle Ben. I don't know that they have. I want to feel like they have, but I honestly can't remember. Well, there's a Ben Parker suitcase. It's got his initials on it in Spider-Man: Far From Home. Mm, okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. What this movie does is that it addresses the thing that a lot of people have issues with with the MCU Spider-Man. In that they've turned like a working class superhero, like this nerd who always had to like struggle to balance like paying his rent, getting the girl, just basically juggling his life with being a superhero. And he's like always poor. He's always playing catch up. And they made him this ward of a tech industrialist billionaire, which people really took issue to. But this movie addresses that in a very interesting way by really taking him back to basics. And and you're right. This is basically an origin story for Spider-Man. The Spider-Man that we've known from the comics like for 60 years in the third movie mm-hmm. of of Tom Holland's, right? And and I like that. I like that. It's interesting. It's cool. Yeah, the the movie does do like a kind of a cool soft reboot at the end which could be like a, a time for Tom Holland to step away or it could just be like a Deregnum before he, he comes back. I don't know. But I think they also already had an Uncle Ben sort of in Tony, right? Yeah. I mean, in the both movies, he's had like mentors, right? Like mentors and father figures. And you're right. Like Tony is like a mentor that he lost. But I think what is critical to like Peter's story, though, is the loss of his mentor is in a way partly his fault. 
the traditional story being the one like we see kind of in the Tobey Maguire, right? He let the criminal go, so the criminal is the one who caused the death of Uncle Ben. Like, in a way, it's kind of the same, right? He trusts in the criminal in this one, and it's because of that trust that later it's exploited, and that's why Aunt May dies in this movie. So I think, yes, to say that Iron Man is kind of like his mentor that he lost, but I don't think that's really analogous. And I think this is a better comparison when you compare like Aunt May to Uncle Ben. I feel like if you're comparing the original Uncle Ben thing to this, I don't think the through line is really there. The whole thing is that he like is using his Spider-Man powers for his own gain and ignores a robber who then goes and kills his Uncle Ben, like coincidentally or whatever. Yeah. So he realized that, oh, he has all this power. He's supposed to use it responsibly. But he's not using his power irresponsibly now. Aunt May doesn't die sure. because he's being irresponsible with his power. Mm-hmm. And like – the whole through line of like, oh, well, she's like very charitable and she believes that he has the responsibility to like change these people and heal them instead of locking them away or whatever doesn't fully – it doesn't fully work. Like it's a good sentiment and it's a good like concept behind a hero movie, but it's not like, I don't know, foreshadowed. It's not like been a thing with him where it's like, oh, Spider-Man's the guy who tries to heal his villains instead of – capturing them. This is something May has always told him, and then he goes against it, and she dies because of that. It's almost like, oh, if he just fucking sent Goblin back, May would be alive, right? I don't think that's true. I do think the through line is there, because okay, he does rescue Vulture from the explosion in the first movie, right? Okay. He doesn't have to. He could just let him die, and he didn't. Um, okay. So I think the through line is there. I do agree that this is not a one-for-one analogy with the robber from the origin yeah. that we've mm-hmm. all known. But I think it's an interesting remix, right? I mean... Kind of. It doesn't mean that the line, with great power comes great responsibility. I don't think that that doesn't make any sense anymore. I think it's totally fine. It makes sense. It's just, it's not as clean, right? It's just not as clean. I don't know. It's sort of an odd death. It's sort of odd. I don't know. I think they, I think if you're going to do that, there should be just a much clearer, like, something. He's fucking around and using his powers to enjoy dating MJ and, you know, using his powers to get into MIT. And then, because he's been abusing his powers, his aunt dies. Then it's like, oh, okay, like one, then two, then three, right? This mm-hmm. is a bit muddled. I don't think I agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely saw the correlation with, like, May being this moral compass for him, right? Being the one sure. that, like, says, don't give up on these people. You have to believe in that because because yeah you have the power to do it you should do it for her to die and then those kind of be the last words for her i think that resonates more with peter and then of course it then leads to the conversation later save green goblin and not kill him and that's the ultimate fulfillment of her ideals like sure yeah i mean i get it but yeah i I understand what you're saying you're just saying it's a little muddled and Did, did the moment work for you emotionally oh yeah when she dies oh yeah <laughs> I was definitely like feeling it because just because I really liked Marissa Tomei as like this like younger kind of hipper Aunt May and like have you guys played the Spider Man game? I haven't. The one that came out in like I've heard good things. I've heard, I've no. heard it was quite good. So like a big part of that storyline is also like Aunt May is like the director of Feast also, and like if you guys don't mind me spoiling it for Please you, do and like the rest of the podcast, she also dies in that one. Oh wow. 
so like it really brought me back to playing that game and that that game is amazing if you if you have the opportunity to play it and just just for the spider-man story alone it's it's Which amazing just spoiled all right thanks Dad. yeah good, sorry good advice. <laughs> sorry great but, recommendation bro but if you haven't played it in the last like whatever it's been out for like four years i'm sorry uh <laughs> but yeah it just brought me back to like playing that game and like you know feeling that kind of emotion for that too so like it definitely hit me and worked for me yeah i didn't expect that she was gonna die in this movie it, it worked for me but i don't know i want to switch gears a little bit just because. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, hold on hold on i just want to say i didn't expect it either but it didn't 100 percent work for me mm-hmm. emotionally but i think they acted the shit out of it it just, it just like i said was a little muddled. it was sad though it was it, it was sad. yeah okay sorry switch gears jeff i think this would have been an all-timer mcu movie if they directed the action better and if it didn't look like dog shit 80% of the time I thought it looked just so bad it didn't really detract from like my enjoyment of the big moments but like what are they doing in this movie with like the visuals right like all of the set pieces it's like on a gray ass overpass an empty field outside a power plant at night Mm -hmm. and then this brown Statue of Liberty construction site also at night. It's like fucking Dune. I mean, at least you could see what was going on in Dune. Okay, fair right. Enough. Even though the <laughs> color palette was all like monochrome, right? Okay, cheap shot on my part. But the one thing that did work for me was the the mirror dimension fight. That was kind of cool. There's some visual inventiveness there. Um, I always like when they have Doctor Strange in, in these movies. He, he yeah, always, yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch is always good. I love Wong in these movies too. He's always looking out for number one, you know? He's always just like, you know what? Fuck that. You guys are fucking everything up. I'm leaving, <laughs> you know? Apparently, he's also the Sorcerer Supreme? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. I like that. Which makes sense. Which absolutely makes sense, right? Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I guess the ugliness didn't super bother me. I still think even if it had been a better looking movie with better action direction, it still wouldn't be as top tier. Because I think, as you discussed, we already discussed, I think most of the villains are too flat. I'm like the opposite of you. I liked that first hour building up to the plot. I think once they include, like, that whole Electro fight is bad and dumb. and There's too much cruft in that middle section, like, between when they start the plot to catch the villains and between when the other Spider-Men come in, right? I mean, for me, it was when they try to start to catch the villains and then, but I do like it when they get to the actual apartment and then trying to, like, figure out how to fix these people. How to save them, yeah. I mean, I like the interactions between, like, we get from... Like, because you think about it, like, William Defoe and Alfred Molina never got to play against each other, right? Because they weren't yeah. really, like, they were in the same movie, but, like, they never got to play with each other in, in the past. And so, like, that was really cool interaction to see them together. Yeah, I, I think all the apartment stuff really worked. And then, of course, that led to, like, May's death and everything. Like, all that really worked for me. And then, of course, then the introduction of the Spider-Man and, and the final act. I, I do agree, Jeff, that it's it's a little wonky, like... The last set piece didn't bother me as much, but definitely I didn't really like the one in the forest. I, I think that one was a little wonky. And the Doctor Strange one, all his stuff is starting to look a little samey to me. You know, with the whole kind of inception warping of buildings. Yeah, but at least it's clear and interesting, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I split the difference between the two. I like it, but it is wearing a thin dark. I get exactly what you're saying. I think maybe we should switch gears again and maybe get into the... Well, I also want to talk about the villains for a second. The two big ones, right? I think Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe are great in this. I think they're really, really good. And I like that they bring 
an edge of humanity to these characters where they're just not straight up villains and they're just damaged people and and that's what sparks Peter to try and help them instead of sending them to their deaths, right? I think that's that's, that's basically and, what that is. And, and and it follows through with the early one where they never were just villains, right? They always no. were these people who had another side to them who Peter knew in a capacity as uh, friends or mentors or, you know, family friends, friends, father, whatever. He knew them as good people, or at least people in his lives who he had a personal connection to he knew as people right. before they were like these evil Catholic supervillains. They were never just these one-dimensional things. So, I mean, I guess props to the movie for carrying through that. Okay, I do want to say that I think they sanded down the edges on Willem Dafoe a little bit, his Norman Osborn, because they kind of paint him a little more sympathetic than they do in the first Spider-Man movie. Because in the first Spider-Man movie, he's like, before he gets exposed to like the goblin serum... He's still a pretty awful person, right? And you're talking about, like, Norman Osborn, right? Not, right, yeah. and here is right. just a little... I think they play up that divide between right, the, the goblin persona and the yeah. Norman persona a little too much. Mm-hmm. It's in a the little first goblin one, Smeagol, right? Where... Yeah, we're in the first <laughs> one. It's, like, combining, like, the id section of his brain and, like... It's, it's not so clear in Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man movie. Yeah. But I mean, he steals every scene he's in. He's so good in this. So um, good. Alfred Molina's great. I agree. I like it. None of it is very subtle. It's played very broad and no, deep. No, I, I like subtle. all of it. It, it, yeah. it. it all hits as big comic villain melodramatic stuff. Like, it all hits. I think. I agree with you. I think about, like, what he was in Raimi's Spider Man. And, like, that's, like, not. William Defoe's great, like in both movies, but that wasn't like the Green Goblin I knew, right? The one that was menacing and and I think I got that more in this movie than I think I got from the original Raimi one. So all in all, like I know we kinda are shitting on a lot of the villains, but for me, Defoe really makes that up in this movie. Like he helps to balance out some of the shit that we get earlier with like this great performance like in the middle and then this kind of menacing villain all the way to the end. I mean, here we go with the visuals again, because if you remember the end of Spider-Man 1, uh, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, uh-huh. that final fight, Peter's getting bodied by Green Goblin. Like he's getting brutalized in that fight. And like there's nothing in these movies that even remotely feels like that like his mask is half torn and then like the sound design is just like all the hits like hit hard Mm -hmm. he's getting thrown through like brick walls he's like bleeding everywhere i just don't feel like any of that kind of hard-hitting fight like in this movie or or any of the mcu movies i think there's just more personality like in the sam raimi movies and i think that extends to like some of the swinging scenes too which I think people shit on the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but they had some great swinging scenes in that. Oh yeah, I'm thinking about like the uh, the construction lines, right? Where they they line yeah, them up. And it's then, all, yeah, it's all it's all yeah. great. It's not like these are bad, but I don't feel the joy of like swinging through New York City in these MCU ones, like the other two Spider-Men. You get a little bit of it at the very very end of this one. A little bit little bit. You contrast that with the very beginning where it's kind of like in the perspective of Mary Jane where it's like almost terrifying to be swinging as Spider-Man. So like, yeah, I get what you're saying, Jeff. Like you don't get the 
the kind of excitement it should be to be like spider-man swinging through a city right yeah and in the amazing spider-man like i don't know if you guys remember like the visual effects on the suit it was kind of like loose on andrew garfield Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like you saw like the fabric folds while he was swinging and it was like flapping in the wind it looks so good and like yeah that's just not in these movies. It's like plastic. I don't know. I'm I'm shitting on the visuals of this movie a lot. It's just, <laughs> but but I I did like this movie. So I mean, since we're talking about Andrew Garfield, do you guys want to talk about to like, the the two big cameos in this? All right. First of all, they're more than cameos because they're in this movie yes. more than I expected. Yeah, which I way more. Than I Me too. I think they show up for the final fight, but like. Uh-huh. They're, they play a role in this movie, and I think they were super fun, actually. Yeah. Like I said, I think this movie goes to 12, like, energy-wise. Like, that scene where they're just, like, in the lab was great, right? Yeah. Like, getting to jo- josh each other, getting to talk about their, their shared experiences. And, I mean, even the stupid, like, I knew it was coming, the stupid meme of them, like, pointing at each other was, like, something I... Even, <laughs> even I enjoyed that. Like, I usually was that when, that uh, Was that when uh, Ned was, like, Peter, and then they all, yeah. like, pointed at each other? That's they point at each was. other, right? Okay. Yeah. Wait, do they point at each other like the Spider-Man meme? They do, they do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they that's, all, like, have their fingers was, out yeah. pointing at each other. I was like, looking oh, for that, yeah. but I didn't see them point at each other. I thought they were pointing at Ned. Okay, I missed that then. <laughs> I'm surprised they missed that, because they did a... Like, I'm a bit of a scientist myself, me. <laughs> they did that. Yes. Which was very funny. That actually made me laugh. And... The one thing they did actually miss, which I don't think was in the movie, they referenced him. But I was a little surprised they didn't do a Miles Morales. I mean, Jamie Foxx's Electro kind of like hangs a lamp. She's like, oh, I'm yeah, surprised yeah. we didn't go to Black Spider-Man. He <laughs> does. But like, you know? they should have done it, right? Like, instead of just having Jamie Foxx talk about how they're not going to do it, they should have just done it. Because you already know that Andrew Garfield and uh, Tobey Maguire are showing up. So, like, if you really want people to lose their shit. Cast a Miles Morales. Cast a Miles Morales yeah. and don't tell him. Yeah. Nah, dude, you gotta bring him in as the cartoon. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be wild. Who shot Roger Rabbit? Fucking MCU. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, maybe we got a little ahead of ourselves. Even before they got to the lab scene, like, I even like that rooftop scene, right? Where they were, as corny as it was, like, Peter starts to say, like, oh, you know, with great power, and then, like, Toby's Spider Man like finishes the line right it reminded me of a very similar scene that we got in like spider-verse into the spider-verse yeah but even though it's similar like it still worked for me here right like especially garfield like the pain that you see on his face Mm -hmm. with him kind of recalling the fact that he lost gwen stacy like dude for me out of all the spider-man he might have been the mvp for me i agree i don't think toby was like phoning it in or anything but, but I he was, do yeah. think Andrew Garfield got, like, the best moments in this. So, mm-hmm. I enjoyed Toby more, like, moment to moment. But I think Garfield had the bigger, big moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the chemistry is very funny, too. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff is funny. I fucking died when uh, Ned uses the sling ring and, like, Toby comes through. And he's like, he's just a regular guy <laughs> who's <laughs> this. Which I thought yeah. was funny. And then um, Toby McGuire comes through. He's not in costume. And they're like, uh, so... This guy's like a youth pastor. pastor or whatever, yeah. which I <laughs> Are you just going to be dressed hilarious. as a youth pastor? Yeah, yeah. it's pretty funny. And I even love the the scene when they're like in the old Filipino uh, grandma's house. Uh, so yeah. my fiance is Filipino, so uh-huh. she was 
the loudest laugh. It's like you only could hear her laughing during that whole time. Really? Like That's nobody. Awesome. It didn't seem like my audience like really got it, but she was like laughing like crazy because it was just so funny. Oh, uh, from like what the grandma was saying. Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, I even like the like you know how do we know you're Peter? And he like jumps up and he likes holding onto the ceiling and he's like cr- crawl. It's like really at the crawl. Like, all that stuff really yeah happened. yeah that I did really, really work for me that yeah, was yeah. really good i thought it was really funny i love that we got so much of them like i was really afraid that they were just going to show up for the final battle and that was it and we got so much more and i, I think it's so much more rewarding seeing how much they're in this movie yeah i liked peter name dropping the avengers he's like yeah i was in the avengers <laughs> yeah who the fuck are the avengers toby's like oh you're in the avengers that's awesome what is that? Is that a band? He's, <laughs> like, he's so positive. <laughs> so good. I do like them talking about like what's their worst villains or what their like craziest villains and like That was very funny. And then Andrew Garfield's like, Man, I'm freaking lame, man. I just fought a guy in a rhino cut. He's like dude. the emo Spider Man, man. He's all yeah. beating himself up. But he does get for me one of the best moments in the movie when he saves Zendaya. That's yes. Emotional Absolutely. moment worked for me. Dude, the loudest cheers in the Really? Entire, yeah, people like leapt up in their seats. They were like, all right, well, first of all, people were on edge because first Tom Holland Spider-Man tries to catch Zendaya. Mm-hmm. When and the Doctor glider Strange's hits him. Cube, yeah, and then Green Goblin's glider hits him. And everyone like gasped, like, oh, she's going to fall. And then like they see Andrew Garfield dive down and like people are like going wild, buck wild in my theater. It was crazy. Yeah, amazing moment. The best part of that moment is when he like when they actually land, right? Yeah, he's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and, and he's, he's like crying, and he's crying. He's like, "Are you okay?" She's like, "Yeah, are you okay?" <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> and, it, and it's it's that, and like him earlier describing like you know how Gwen Stacy was his MJ. Like, those are like the moments that make him the MVP for me. I mean, this this was his Tosh point oh web redemption, right? Like, this was <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the best moment of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think so. I, I it think really, so. really worked. And it's like, if you know the Gwen Stacy story from the comics, too, and then the Andrew Garfield movie, and then this, it's such a great, it's it's a great moment. It's really, really good. I don't know about you guys. Now I need an Amazing Spider-Man 3. <laughs> like, he finds his MJ, right? Like, one of the most heartbreaking things is, like, he becomes, like, spiteful, right? Or he becomes vengeful. It sounds like he he got, like, angry, right? So it's like, I mean... Amazing Spider-Man 3 could be an awesome opportunity for him to be like a redemption. Like, you know, like being changed by the events of this movie. I would love it. I I think there's no way they do it. No, there isn't. But I would love it. (laughs) I feel like it's a little revisionist because up until like a year ago, people were shitting on the Amazing Spider-Man movies like all day long, every day. Oh, I'll still shit on All year long. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate the consistency. We love it. Yeah, I, I don't think those movies are great, but... He was never the problem with those movies for me. No. Like, I really liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, and I just think they needed better villains. If you go back and watch those movies, they look more interesting than these movies, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> to say. I do think that they look a little more interesting than these. There's, there's, there's like, depth. There's a little more verve to those action sequences. I just thought, like, Sandman and Lizard and at yeah. least, like, change the design on Lizard. You know, why bring him up over, like, one for one? I don't know. I, I just think that design looks bad and dated. Yeah. They should have just cut all those villains out. It should have been Doc Ock, 
Green Goblin and Mr. Dickovich. That's what it should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Peter's landlord from Spider-Man. Oh my god. I would have lost my shit if like that was the voice we heard at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> right? That would have been like, funny. Like, pay your rent. <laughs> that would have been yeah. funny. Uh, before watching this movie, I re-watched Spider-Man 2, and I'm just like, this movie's so fucking great. and It's good. I got I got so excited then to watch like um, this, this. I haven't movie. seen it in a long time, and I think it's genuinely very very good. Yeah, it still is, and like what it made me really excited for is Multiverse of Madness because like Sam Raimi's yeah, back. Sam Raimi's yeah. Oh, I really hope he brings a little more like style to, yes. to how they shoot these movies. Like in Spider Man Two, you know that scene where like Spider Man swinging through the city, and then it zooms in to his uh, eyepiece and Doc Ock is there and it just becomes the scene with Doc Ock on like Chrysler building or whatever. Yeah. Like, I want more of that shit. That shit is cool. That's a Raimi thing though. He loves doing that. That's a Raimi thing. He loves doing that and it's awesome. Now this is a tangent talking about Spider-Man too, but like fucking the scene where like Doc Ock emerges right out of that surgery room is so fucking great. Yeah, like the horror movie. It's like the horror movie scene, yeah. The whole train sequence is so like Dude, that's why I say, like, I think it's still my favorite Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Not to get off into too much of a tangent. Uh, probably the last thing, at least the last big thing I want to bring up is probably, you know, what happens at the end of this movie, right? Um, you know, because the whole crux of this movie is that Doctor Strange, you know, casts a spell so that everyone is supposed to forget who Peter Parker is, right? And then at the beginning of the movie, you know, Peter... F's with the spell, and that's why it brings over all these people from different universes. Yeah, so it brings over people who know Peter is Spider-Man from other universes, right? So that, Yes. Yeah. And then, but at the end of this movie, he realizes, like, the only thing to fix this is that he has to complete that spell, right? Like, he has to basically say, like, hey, you need to finish that spell, and everyone in the world needs to forget who Peter Parker is, right? Or, yeah, forget the fact that Peter Parker is... Actually, it's more than that, right? Because Zendaya and the Ned character don't even know who he is, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a little tipping the the scale because, like, it's not, like, reciprocal, you know? Because to fix it, it's not like people forget that he's Spider-Man. People forget that he fucking exists. Exists, which which is pretty messed up. And, like, I feel like that's why it's so good because it it really heightens, like, the price you pay for being... A hero mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's yeah. what makes Spider-Man so great. And, you know, in the end, he has nothing, right? He doesn't have... He doesn't even Tony have an Stark's education. Money. <laughs> he doesn't have an education. He's living in a shitty apartment. The spider suit he's laying around is he, he sews himself. Yeah. Like, this is the Spider-Man that we've known. What happened to the Iron Spider suit? It's really hard to understand, like, what are the implications of this spell? Like, yeah. Does that mean, like, Spider-Man didn't help the Avengers at all? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but they recognize that a Spider-Man still exists, right? Because they have the conversation between him and Happy. Right, right. Like, right. we know each other through Spider-Man. But then, does that mean Spider-Man wasn't involved in all the Infinity War stuff and, and no, Endgame stuff? No, it's just that like, no one knows who the fuck Peter Parker is, right? So, like, Yeah, so, like, it would mean that he would still maybe have a relationship with Tony and, like, Tony would might have given him a suit, but then... 
it it almost implies that he like lost it all like all those relationships yeah i don't know i i I feel like that makes it even more fucked up that like people who remember who spider-man is but like fuck peter parker he's fucking whatever he's (laughs) well no one knows peter parker exists so like the question is like it doesn't really make sense right because like how does happy know may it would have been through peter parker but there is no fucking peter parker no one knows who Peter yeah. Parker is, so it doesn't make sense. He goes, oh, I know him through Spider-Man. What does yeah. that mean? I don't know. Maybe maybe they just constructed some memory where, like, Happy was involved with, like, the charity thing where May worked with Spider-Man or something. I don't know. It's convoluted. You're right. Doesn't, You're right. You're not wrong. With sense. The thing I was um, thinking about was that in the beginning of the movie, like, Wong even says, like, this spell reaches everywhere, right? Across, like... The unknown and known. So if you cast a spell where nobody knows Peter Parker, does that mean in every universe nobody knows Peter Parker? Did he just like fuck up Tommy McGuire's life? <laughs> right? I don't know. That's actually really funny. <laughs> because he even talks about like, you know, we get that great moment where he talks about like him and MJ actually made it work, right? So we got to get a little bit of a conclusion of that Sam Raimi storyline. We're like you know they made it work but like now i'm just like did he fuck that up for him like you know what i mean like he's gonna go back and mj's like who the fuck are you why are you in my house like <laughs> but i i don't think it was meant to be thought that way i mean that just goes back to like how much i love wong because all he does in these movies he's like don't do that and then <laughs> someone's like i'm gonna do it anyway and it's like all right i can't fucking help you i'm out of here and that's basically <laughs> wong's arc in every single mcu movie well it's interesting because it's different than the trailers if you remember the trailers like wong actually says like don't cast that spell and then he walks into the the portal oh, yeah he doesn't say that in this yeah. movie right in this movie he almost kind of like goes along with it so i was like oh that's interesting that it was a little bit different than the trailers um just different line reads i guess yeah and going back to the Sanctum Sanctorum, like, that's another thing where, like, I thought it was such an odd decision to to use such a great location and to shoot that entire scene in, like, the side of the stairwell. Like, why can't you, like, do it in the middle of the Sanctum? Or I don't know. It just, mm-hmm. it looked so awkward to me. Like, yeah. they didn't know, like, how to frame any of these, these images. Some of it's just sloppy, I think, but... That's just me. I I just can't get over it. I can't get over it. (laughs) Well, I guess uh, my question is, though, like, do you guys like that this is, like, I guess, like, a soft reboot of it? Yeah, I like it. We're kind of starting from fresh now, if they were to continue this. Yeah, I like it, too. I like, like like Jeff said, the price they make him pay for this soft reboot. And, uh, yeah, I like it. I'm excited to see where where they go next if they decide to continue with Tom Holland or they do something else. I don't know. These were, like... You know, this was the weakest of the lot, but I still enjoyed all three of these new, uh, these Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. So, the college years we're gonna get the college years. <laughs> <laughs> if he gets into college, uh, <laughs> I think he's getting a little old. <laughs> okay, then let's talk about the mid-credit stinger, right? Like, I mean, if you've watched um, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, you know that at the end of that movie, and we we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Like, he gets pulled into this MCU universe, right? Like, something happens at the end of his stinger that it pulls him into this universe. And uh, at the end, it's just him, you know, again, still at that bar at that resort. And I guess he's talking to the bartender and he's just trying to grasp all the events that happened in this world. And then once, this, you know, the second he actually starts grasping it, he basically just gets sent away. But I guess the big ooh surprise thing is that he leaves a piece of his suit behind? The symbiote, yeah. The symbiote? Yeah, I mean, I I guess whatever. This was like kind of nothing to me. 
It was nothing to me, too. Like, I kind of just don't want that character in the MCU. Um, because those movies are just pretty trashy, I think. It just doesn't fit tonally. I don't know. But, like, if that's how they want to give birth to Venom in the MCU, like, the Kevin Feige MCU, not the Sony MCU, then whatever. It's fine. The only thing I would want is to finally see, like, the actual, like, black suit Spider-Man. Like, not the one that we got in the Raimi one, where it's, like, that clean, sleek, with the white Venom symbol in the front of it. Yeah. That's the only thing I would want, just because I've always loved to look at that Spider-Man. It's a cool look. It's a cool look. The black suit yeah. is cool. Yeah, the black suit Spider-Man is cool, but that's the only thing I would want. And then, yeah. I think it was kind of a tease to, like, pull him into the MCU and then as quickly just shoot him out of it. Well, now there's a little Venom symbiote piece left in the yeah. MCU in order to that, – that's our – like, maybe there's a different Venom or, you know, whatever. I mean, that just reminds me of Spider-Man 3. Here I go again with the visuals, right? <laughs> and, like, say what you want about Spider-Man 3, but that final fight with Venom is Hell cool yeah. as fuck. Hell yeah. Where uh, Peter uses the sound of, like, the construction mm-hmm. beams, the poles to, like, trap Venom. He's, like – building that fence around him. It's so cool. It's, like, so visually interesting and, like, mm-hmm. nothing in these MCU movies even, like, touches that. I'm I'm sorry to say. I, I absolutely agree. Like, with, at least, you know, that movie's a mess, but that final fight is, is pretty good. Even the Sandman stuff, I think, is really good in that. Yeah, it's good. Alright, Sandman and Spider-Man 3 looks better than Sandman here. Oof. You know who Sandman looks like in this movie? He looks like Million Ants guy from fucking Rick and Morty. That's who he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, he looks like the Sandman from Spider-Man 3, but Spider-Man 3 was made, like, 20 years ago. And, like, yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It should, it should and, look better. Like, this now. should look way better, and it doesn't. Yeah, it looks and worse. it doesn't. It looks like it's the same as back or then. Or worse. So, like, yeah. It might look worse, guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing, I guess, if you stayed after the credits, all the credits, is that we got a trailer for... Um, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Yes, thank you. All right, I want to say that I was hyped on this, and it looked fucking awesome, but this is the laziest fucking post-credits shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I have to disagree. <laughs> they just they just played a trailer. Why can't you, like, I don't I'm know. I'm okay with that. Like, I think we've, like, gotten down to the point where, like, these post credit singers are, like, not great. They're usually, like, we always kind of, like, end up there and we're like, bleh. I actually can't argue with that because if you're going to offer me the Doctor Strange trailer or more fucking Harry Styles bringing in Blip Bloop the Troll or whatever, um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> exactly. take, yeah. I'll take the Doctor yeah. Strange trailer. Okay, exactly. okay. I, I can see my point. I think point. that's my I point. Can see I, can see okay. I, I, yeah. I agree completely, yeah. Like, like, I'm okay with this trend. Like, hey, let's... Like, it's almost like, hey, let, we're rewarding you for coming to see our movie. Here's the next thing to get you, you know, really excited. Well, it's also like, let's cut to the chase. Like, instead of a teaser for, like, here's the new thing. Like, fuck it. We're just going to put a full-on trailer for the next thing mm-hmm. in it and not even bother to connect it to the movie you just saw. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit accelerationist. It's like, I don't know. It's It just seems a little blatant, like... Yeah, Here's our is. next yes. thing, mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. very markety, you know? I do wish that they, they would bring back, like, funny post-credits ones where, like, Tony Stark's falling asleep while Bruce Banner's doing, like, psychotherapy mm-hmm. on him. I thought that was fucking hilarious from Iron Man 3. I love the the Captain America one where he's just like, oh, so you stayed around until the end, and, like, we gotta teach you the virtue of patience, you know? Like, <laughs> 
Why yeah. would you wait around for something that was in the end so disappointing? Which <laughs> that was really fucking hilarious. I thought that's one of the best post like being trolled. Ever. Yeah, I, I like I like being trolled. <laughs> Like, I'm okay with the mix. As long as the post-credit scene's, like, good. Like, you never know if it is going to be good or not. Like, if they think they have a good one, go for it. But, like, this was totally fine. Like, I mean, especially because, you know, Doctor Strange is in this movie. And it kind of relates, right? Because, like, what he does yeah. probably, like, opened up the, you know, the multiverse. So, it's like, like, it, it makes sense. It makes sense to see a trailer for this for this movie. My only question, I guess, from the trailer is that, is that the Doctor Strange from the What If series? Yes, it is. I, oh. I think it is. Yeah, the evil Doctor Strange there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it, that's definitely what it is. It's good to see Wanda again. Yeah. My only question is then, does that mean what if, like, important? Because, like, what if wasn't that great? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but they don't have to do a ton with it. They don't have to do anything yeah. with it. They can just, this is a character from what if. If you've seen what if, and if you're not, it's like, oh, it's just an evil Doctor Strange. Boom. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I think we already talked about, like, Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange is always great. But then I think the fact that it's Sam Raimi has me definitely excited to, to see it. I'm excited to see Shuma Karath. <laughs> 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 he was in the trailer. Oh, he's in Marvel vs. Capcom. First of all, I, yeah, I don't know anything about the character except that he's in Marvel vs. Capcom. Capcom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you guys don't know what you're talking about, it's, that, it's the squid-looking thing with the yeah, eye, right? Octopus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we're getting Wanda back. We're getting a new character of uh, America Chavez. I don't know much about it. I just know her name. Oh, are we getting America Chavez in this too? Yeah. That's the girl with the jean jacket. I somehow missed that. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. We're getting Baron Mordo back with dreads. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Does he I, have I dreads? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I swear it looked like he had dreads. Okay. I, don't know. I saw it twice, so I'm pretty sure I, th- I swear oh, okay, I saw dreads. <laughs> Um, Damn, yeah, you I've, stayed for the post-credits twice. That's that's dedication. That's real yeah. dedication. I wanted to see it again. I paid my money, man. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually contemplated. I was like, maybe I should just leave. I already seen this. I was like, nah. I'll just stay a little bit longer. Watch it again. That'd be cool. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Oh, I think we got it all, man. B minus. B minus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think we have to tell people to go watch this because, like, everyone's probably everyone's gonna know, see like it. already has yeah, seen if you, it. If like, you listen to this man. podcast, you're going to go watch this movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, someone left a comment that's like another person bringing down the Rotten Tomatoes score. I was like, motherfucker, B minus is fresh. Like, if you're going to come <laughs> at me, at least be like right in your fucking insult or whatever. Jesus. Well, wait, what's the actual average critic? Oh, I, I, right? I don't think Rotten Tomatoes does that. I mean, does if you want to look at Metacritic. It only does the tomato meter? I'm not on Metacritic, so I, uh, my shit doesn't affect. Oh, no, no. It does have an average rating. 7.4 out of 10. Oh. So okay. yours actually helped it. Yeah. Yours helped yeah, it. Yeah, B-minus is an 8, right? Yeah, fuck you, random. <laughs> wait, dude. When you, think, when you think about a B-minus as an 8 out of 10, it sounds kick-ass. You would think about it as a grade, you're like, oh, shit. Like, I'm never going to get away with this GPA. (laughs) So, like, I don't know, man. Like, B-minus sounds mad harsh when you see B-minus. If you say 80 out of 100, it's like, holy shit. But I don't really think it's an 80 out of 100, though, right? (laughs) All right, because if you're going by the five-star metric, right? An A is a five-star. A-minus is four and a half stars, right? Uh Um, A B-plus is four stars. A B is three and a half stars. And a B minus is three stars, which is really like 60%, right? Oh, wow. So that's like an F. (laughs) 
you can't apply like grade school logic to like these grades. I think. I think you yeah. gotta. I don't know. It's 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 different. A B minus is a solid score. I don't know why people see B minus and be like, "That's a shitty grade." A B minus is a cut above. That doesn't feel. I like would that. gladly watch. <laughs> it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> I, I feel like a B feels like a cut above. Uh, a B minus feels like I don't know. That minus feels like you're taking something away from the movie. Like the minus is like maybe I shouldn't watch this movie. Oh fuck off! Come on. <laughs> the B is like Does that oh, mean it's a, a cut above, but not great. Does that mean a C plus means that you should go see the movie because there's a plus there? That doesn't no, make any sense. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm saying the cutoff to like, should I watch this is between B and B minus. I feel like if you give it a B, it's like, oh, it's a good movie. No, but no. Like, flawed, the cutoff but is between C plus and B minus. Oh, yeah. I feel like you're going to get some back on that. I feel like a lot no, of people. No, it's science. C plus is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. B minus oh is fresh. All right, that is not science. But all right, whatever. Fine. <laughs> no, but I think I think I mean I think Amir's more alluding to like the psychology of like a B minus versus a B, right? Okay, whatever. I, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna weigh in on this. It's not yeah. it's not it's not hard science, but it's a hard cutoff, right? C plus yes. is rotten, B minus is fresh. So I feel like C plus is like average. All right, I don't want to go into this even more. If there's nothing else, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find more of your work and more of your B minuses? Uh, <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. You can find more of my B minuses at strangeharbors.com. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. What about you guys? Amir, are you sure you're not going to be the next Black Spider Man? Uh, you're not supposed <laughs> to tell anybody about that. <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at World's OKS Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. If you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and actually now Spotify, you can actually do us a favor and give us a great rating. Uh, it really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, about our episode on Spider-Man No Way Home. Feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We like getting emails. We like reading them out on the pod. So feel free to do that. Again, that's jeff at strangeharbors.com. And with that, this will conclude our episode for this week, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.